Hello everyone, I am Jeffrey Goodman, the Director of Marketing and Development here at the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana. I'm very happy to welcome you to episode three of our new podcast interview series entitled Shreveport Bossier, My City, My Community, My Home. Uh, with me today is our guest, Chris Dudley. Uh, I'm not going to give you a lengthy bio at the head on Chris, but you'll learn a lot about what Chris does in our community uh, through my speaking with him. And the last thing I want to mention before I hop into the questions is Chris has not seen any of the questions I'm going to ask him in advance. Um, so keep that in mind as you sit back and uh, enjoy Chris, who is uh, a great person to listen to. So we're going to hop right in. Thanks, Chris. Thank for you. Being here. Our ple my pleasure. So we're going to start today with a fairly lengthy question. Uh, Chris, I believe you grew up in Rockville, Maryland, mm -hmm. lived and worked in St. Louis and Atlanta before finally coming to the Shreveport Bossier area at the beginning of 2020. Yes. New people moving to a community are invaluable for so many reasons. Chief among those, in my opinion, is the fresh set of eyes they bring. It's hard to define oneself or even one's community. You're simply too close to the subject. But the newly arrived, because they are viewing things from the outside, can often see more clearly. So with all that, what do you see when you look at Shreveport Bossier? Or in other words, how do you describe this community to your friends and family who have never been here before? Wow. Are they going to be shorter than that? Or is that? That's, the, that's the longest question I've <laughs> asked you. So as I've described our community to, to my family and friends who've not been here, we start with the people are amazing. And sincerely, we've lived in a lot of places, um, but the folks here are so genuinely kind and want to help and would do anything for you. And you know, you, you live in communities where people say, oh, great guy, he'd do anything for you. But here it's genuine. And so if my wife and I ever needed a situation of help, we could reach out to any number of people and people are, would, be, would step up. And so it's so fascinating to live in a, in a city that's this size. Amy, my wife, describes it as the perfect size. So large enough to be as anonymous as you want, but small enough to be intimate and to, to find a close tribe, if you will. So I always describe people before I describe, I even talk about people before we even talk about uh, where we work. So that's where, that's how I start any conversation about where we live. Perfect. So let's talk tennis for a second. You are the director of tennis at Corby's Tennis Center, which underwent an important and significant renovation a couple years ago. I'll go ahead and show my hand. I'm an avid tennis player and have been around the game my entire life. One thing I've been most struck by since you came to town is the way you've transformed Corby's into being more of a community center than I ever recall it being. You clearly enjoy bringing people together and you have a way of making tennis and Quirby's as a whole a very warm and unintimidating place for people. Where does, this, where does this desire to create community come from and how did you learn it? 
Oh, wow. Um, I was blessed with parents, especially my dad, who's very warm, very funny guy. Um, my dad never met a stranger. So when Amy, my wife and I were given the opportunity, we came, I'll, I'll give you a little backstory. Please. So I was, um, I had lost a position in about seven or eight years ago, I lost a position where I was doing fundraising for a ministry and I was floundering a little bit and I connected, I called the USTA, the United States Tennis Association, the Atlanta office and gentlemen that I later became dear friends with connected me to a tennis coach in Atlanta and all I wanted to do was get out of the house and go hit tennis balls. So I hadn't picked up a racket in five years. I hadn't coached for more than two decades. And somehow or another, I thought, all right, at least I can get out of the house, go get some exercise. And after about three weeks of just being a participant in some drill sessions, I finally showed my hand to the coach and asked him if he would let me take him out to lunch. And I told him I've been a certified coach. Uh, I feel like it's something that I could get back into. And it, it boomed a little bit from there. He, he allowed me to help run some of his own programming. This is a guy who everybody in, in our area knew. And he was very warm. I would consider him my most important mentor that got me reconnected to the tennis community. Um, so here we are in 2015 and I've lost this position. I've moved to Atlanta to be with Amy. We were, we were living, I was in Charleston, she was in Atlanta. And um, so from there, what, what ended up happening is this friendship with a gentleman named Bill Dopp, who's the, uh, one of the leaders in the USTA uh, Southern Division. Bill told me about this opportunity uh, Christmas week of 2019 wanting us to move here to be on the ground February 1st. So Amy and I drove from Atlanta, came to interview, met everybody in that interview team you are, you are personally, uh, you know, you're friends with. It went very well. We walked out of the interview. Amy grabs my hand and says, holy crap, we're moving to Shreveport uh, before, before an offer was made. Um, and so, we got here for an interview January the 9th of 2020, and I was on the ground three weeks later, February the 1st. Corby's opened, uh, the big grand reopening ceremony was the 27th of February, and uh, 16 days later, COVID closed the tennis business. And of course, our first reaction was, what in the world has happened? And followed quickly by, we could really use some downtime. Our, our uh, let's just say it was a whirlwind between the time we learned about the position and the time we arrived. So with all of that being said, that sets the backdrop for, it brings us to Corby's. We get a chance, we had seven weeks of recovery of not having to be at the tennis center. We get the word from USTA National and the local um, the local powers that be that were allowed to reopen May the 1st. And we were open, 50% um, open. Um, very strange where we had to, um, they wanted social distancing 
in a, in a sport that's very social distance, they wanted extra and we played on every other court for a few weeks. And then June 1st, we were allowed to be open fully. And now here we are almost two complete years back to back to back. So one of the things I realized at Corby's, the setup when you walk through the gate is there's a court immediately that you have to walk past to even go and check in. And that's the court that I teach on. That's the court where I get to face toward the parking lot. I get to see every face that walks through my door. I get to also be, heaven forbid, if it ever came down to it, the first responder. If I see something that doesn't look right. But although we've, we've created a really terrific community, I feel like my responsibility is to be the greeter, to set the tone. Um, I have a friend uh, in the food business who says, if you go into a restaurant and you can't identify who's in charge, no one's in charge. And I think it's so perfect. And I've, I've never forgotten that. And it doesn't have to be a restaurant. It could be a retail store. It could be a tennis club. But if you walk into a business and you don't know who's in charge, no one's in charge. So there I am every day. I'm very good with names. I was in sales for a long time. So when you walk through the door, it's always, hey, Jeffrey, and you and I are friends. But, you know, no matter the level of tennis player, if I know them by name, I greet them. As they leave, we thank them. And it, it feels like the right thing to do. It's natural for me. My sweet wife is much more uh, introverted. And she'll still say, what was her name again? Or what was his name again? Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit more built for it. So I know it's a long answer, but that gives you some background of, of, I think that of all of the things that have happened at Corby's, I feel like the one thing that we've controlled has been create a welcoming atmosphere, be warm, understand where you're being, you know, you're, these, are, these are our patrons, this is how we're getting paid, is by tennis players coming through the door. So what are some of the things in the community you like doing most when you're not on the tennis court? So folks who know Corby's know that it's a beautiful campus. And on that campus is an, a almost 100 year old golf course. Corby's golf course will celebrate its 100th anniversary in 2024. And Nathan Barrow, who, who you are, uh, a, familiar with. Nathan asked me if you ever want to play golf, you know, I know a guy. So I've been back to playing golf. I used to play a lot. I, I play extremely mediocre golf. What I tell people, whoever ends up on the course with me, I say, as a golfer, I'm a heck of a tennis coach. So, <laughs> um, so I play some golf. The neat, the neat thing for me is any, anything that gets me completely refocused and out of the tennis business. And we love what we do, but there are days where the last thing I wanna hear is anything more about the tennis center, my schedule, Amy's schedule. So um, I'm a music enthusiast. I am not a musician, I don't play an instrument, but I can go down a three hour rabbit hole of listening to an artist that I like and then clicking on you. If you like this artist, you may also like and so my thing, um, my wind down is listening to all sorts of music genres. 
Um, aside from that, I've got, even though my kids and grandkids don't live with us, I'm in very constant touch with my kids and my grandkids call me Papa. And so they'll FaceTime and um, my daughter will, will roll her eyes and go, the kids want to talk to Papa. <laughs> and, and of course that's where, that's just hits my heart. So um, as far as the getting away from the tennis business, Amy's great about, let's, it doesn't have to be a week and it doesn't have to be a 10 days ahead of the map. It doesn't have to be two weeks. Let's just go away for two nights. And so we've done little mini trips and it just allows us to refocus. And we spend, in the early days, between us, we were 100 hours at the, at the club during the week and it's much more reasonable now. Um, but early on, we, were, we, were, we did everything. And, and I'm glad that we did. And it's again, if you go back to a business setting, the, the owner of the business has to be willing to do every job. And so there's nothing that we've ever asked our employees to do that we're not perfectly capable of and willing to do ourselves. But escaping the tennis business for 48 hours sometimes is the greatest reset I can, I can find. And we love local restaurants. We love supporting other small businesses. Um, even though there's great franchise restaurants, we love the opportunity to bless another person's small business because we have a full understanding of the challenges that they're dealing with. So um, anything where we are still in community and, and we love staying in town, but we can't staycation because the, there's too many things that happen where, where an employee has to call and we're the only ones that can answer a question. So um, I need to find more outlet other than golf, but golf has been a blessing and my, my sweetheart doesn't feel like she's a golf widow quite yet, so. So, what, what have we yet to figure out this community compared to some of the other places where you have lived and worked? So we've talked about this. Uh, I say we, Amy and myself, and people that were are in our closest circle. There's a lack of vision. I think that there's an amazing abundance of talented people. I think there's perfect amount of potential money if you find the right people and the right project. So, for instance, when we moved here, Amy Amy was familiar with Shreveport. And her description of Shreveport was, well, you have to go through Shreveport if you want to go from Atlanta to Fort Worth. That's where her, her family lived in both cities over the years. And so it, was a, it wasn't a flyover, it was a drive-through city. And when I came with her the first day, you arrive and you see the skyline. I'm like, Shreveport's big enough to have a skyline? And then when you go downtown, it's beautiful. And I don't, I'm not an architecture um, uh, connoisseur, but it's fascinating. And so I look at the city and then you read stories, which is never a great idea. Um, but there's a disconnect between what could be and currently what is. So it's gonna take the vision and I used to think it's gonna take some young entrepreneur and that's not it. I think it's gonna take 
somebody that loves the community so much that they can connect to other people, present a vision where everyone looks at each other and goes, oh wow, that could work. But it needs to be win, win, win across the board. So no one's gonna invest money if they're not willing to be, um, potentially have a nice return on it. But it also has to be a win for the city, it has to be a win for the community. And it's easy for me from my perch, where we are blessed to be extremely busy, but we have such a niche. Um, but we know, uh, we know several people like yourself who grew up here, some who have told us they couldn't wait to leave, but have come back. And there's something that pulls them back. A, a lot of times it's family. So friends here um, who are thriving in their small businesses, but what's fascinating is very few of them have come back and gone to work for a large company. They've come back to a community and thought to themselves, there's something that I can do that's better or that's different. And so I'll use one example, and I, and I did have his permission. We've become uh, very good friends with Caleb and Michelle King, who own Drip Donuts. And talk about a niche market, but almost anyone who lives in the area has heard about them. And Caleb couldn't wait to leave Shreveport went on to major cities and they moved here from Toronto, Canada. Um, for They came back for Christmas a couple of years ago and never left. And there's more and more stories like this. And so somebody that has some vision, who has connections to people with means, and I just feel like there's so many win-win opportunities. And when I go downtown, I was led to believe because I looked at news clips that you don't wanna go downtown. And I find downtown to be like electrifying. And, and, and it's such a small scale right now, where it could be in five years, 10 years from now is crazy. Like it could be the, the place where everybody wants to go. Um, but it's gonna, take, it's gonna take a collective vision. And it, and it can't be just one billionaire. It's gotta, be, it's gotta be people that are all on the same page. And that's a, and that's a tough thing, and I, and I understand that. But that's what I, that's my feeling. Every time we venture, especially to downtown, which has this pull, and it's amazing to me that we live, so we live in Broadmoor. We live, uh, every day my phone says I'm four minutes from work. So, um, but I'm amazed that I can be parked downtown in 10 minutes. And it's a resource that we don't take advantage of that I think is dying for something positive. But it's just gonna take someone or a collective bunch of minds with some vision. And that's, that's, our, that's our dream for the community. All right, we're at my final question for the day. Oh wow, these have gone faster than I thought. So on the flip side of the last question, what do we do better than the other places where you have lived and worked? So I'll start back with um, just with the people. So, and I and again I understand that I have a really interesting niche business. Um, we were blessed to to steward the most iconic of the tennis facilities in in the in the region. Um, but what we do better, even and and I'll come back to the tennis community, but. There's such a genuine nature of folks here 
especially those who have stayed. And, um, and it's neat. And I think that I'm a positive, I've got, I'm a, a bit of a, thank God it's Monday kind of guy. And so I feel like just with my own nature, I attract people of like-mindedness. So what we see all the time are people that are willing to do anything if, if you ask. It's the, whether, you're, whether or not you're willing to ask is the part. And so I, I read this and heard this years ago. If you, were, if you were starting a church and you wanted to bring people in, a certain amount of advertising might draw a little bit of attention, but with, when people who are churchgoers are asked, or people who, who want to go to a church are asked, why aren't you? Their answer overwhelmingly is because no one asked me. And I find it fascinating. Um, and so my overall sense of the area is people would be willing to do anything, but if we're talking about growing a community or, or making it a thriving place that would attract um, new business, somehow or another, people have to be tapped into. Um, it can't be somebody who's, yeah, I mean, just ask, I'd be glad to help you move. You know, you can borrow my truck. It's got to be something much bigger. It's got to be a bigger vision. Um, but what we do better, so I'll use our tennis community as an example. So I've been in the tennis business, in and out of the tennis business for a really long time. And in most communities, it feels like the clubs or the tennis directors or the tennis professionals are in um, competition with each other. As if there weren't enough business to go around. And Shreveport Bossier for, and you'd know, you would know this number maybe better than I, but for several years now, there is a community tennis association where all of the tennis directors, so including myself, of course, where we have a voting right to direct what this community tennis association does. Well, it's uh, its own small, not so small, nonprofit organization that blesses a whole lot of people in the community. And we do it so much better than any other community, it's remarkable. So um, I was invited to be um, the chairperson of a, of a committee called the Pro Relations Committee uh, for the state of Louisiana. And so the number one goal, as it's been described to me as the job requirement is to travel through the state and connect the tennis pros and the directors to their local community tennis associations. Well, we've been doing it here for years. I was involved in a Zoom meeting where I just was doodling, like, I'm sorry to admit it, but there was nothing in that meeting that we haven't been doing for years here. So I finally had a chance to chime in and tell them my experience here has been, there's, and we're, we're a much smaller market than New Orleans or Baton Rouge and the the rap on them and I haven't experienced it but the rap on on that tennis community is nobody shares information nobody wants to tell the others what they're doing because for fear that they're going to steal their idea the tennis business has boomed so much because of COVID that there's more business than when we're turning away people and gladly telling them as much as I'd love to help you, may I recommend that you call one of the larger clubs. 
we have 11 tennis courts. Um, Bossier City has 21 courts, something like that. Um, so what we do best, amazingly, having nothing to do even with the tennis, is people are so genuinely ready to help, but if you don't tap into them, and so my hope for these entrepreneur, entrepreneurial folks, my hope is that they're not afraid to share their vision, you know, lest somebody steals my idea. Um, and using the, the donut business, anybody could go into the donut business, but can you do it with that much perfection? So um, overall, the community has been such a blessing to our household. I would like to think that we've been a blessing back, um, but we have, uh, we have bought the home that we rented. Um, we hope to be here until a ripe old age and I'm hoping that things at Corby's will continue, but we, we have been so welcomed and, and I hope that people have felt welcomed back um, by what we do. Thanks, Chris. They definitely have. Thank you. And uh, thanks so much for being a part of this today. Um, you're, you're certainly a, a major asset and addition to the community and we feel very fortunate to have Amy and you here. Thank you, and I was very flattered to be invited to chat with you.